The following presentation is from Mountain Park Community Church in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Mountain Park, along with additional audio and video teachings, visit mountainpark.org. All right, have a seat. Now that's a fun song. I think that song is evidence that we've been created to sing. Uh, Even if you're tone deaf, you still sound pretty decent on that song, I think. I love that. I mean, kids are singing. People who were once kids were singing. It's awesome. Good, 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 good stuff. Today, we want to have a little bit of fun. You may have noticed that the title for today is talking about being playful. And so we want to just remind you that we think it's important that it's okay to smile in church. It's okay. It's okay to smile in church. That's actually why we call them a celebration. We call our uh, Sunday gatherings a celebration uh, rather than a service. Because for me personally, uh, service might mean somebody has died. And so we call it the 1045 celebration. And once again, we're very glad you're here. You may have noticed the, uh, or seen the article in the Arizona Republic about your church on Friday. And it has to do with the 202 road coming in, and, and uh, it's kind of, obviously, it's a big buzz thing in our community and really around the whole city, the, the whole, uh, all that's happening around there. But we had some photographers come, uh, or a, a photographer come take a picture for that article, and uh, he said, uh, Alan, I don't want you to smile. And, uh, and so, because I understand where he's coming from, because the whole article is, hey, Alan, uh, ADOT is going to come blow away your church. Uh, how do you feel about that? You know, we don't want kind of a cheesy smile on the front of that picture there. So he, he made me pose and he said, don't smile. And so I was, I had to, don't smile, don't smile, don't smile. And it was really kind of awkward. Uh, it, it, it made me feel like, a, like I was uh, having a portrait in the 19th century where they didn't know they were allowed to smile for pictures. You know, those are always, smile, I am. You know, however that was, they didn't know all that. But the point with, with showing you this is that they, they made me not smile, and it's a little awkward to not smile. I mean, there's a natural thing of, of for me anyway, being the uh, cheese ball that I am, is that uh, I want to smile, I want to kind of enjoy this, and there's kind of this natural playfulness towards that. I think there's a part of God's design for us to lean toward the smile, to lean towards the play, and that's what we're going to talk about today. I invite you to bow your heads with me as we launch into this. Father, we are thankful for your presence, and uh, only you know all the things that are going on here in this room, and maybe smiles and fun and play are the last things on the hearts of some here in this place. So I pray for great respect um, for every person in this room, uh, that your Holy Spirit would, uh, would use this time for this gathering in this place to communicate what you want to communicate. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We are in a year-long series entitled A.D., uh, Anno Domini, the year of our Lord, and we're looking at what it would mean, what it does mean to have a relationship with a, with a person, to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not just theology. Uh, it's not just something that happened 2,000 years ago. Uh, this is, it's not just knowing about Jesus. It's actually having opportunity to have a relationship with Jesus. What does that look like? What does that mean? And we're walking out seven different stages of relationship throughout the year. Last week, we launched into the second stage, which is the discover stage. And we had a little restaurant table up here and imagining that you were dating Jesus. And I know some struggle with that, dating Jesus. But uh, it's the idea of sitting down with Jesus 
And in a discover mode, like you would if you were dating somebody or if it was a new friend, you'd be saying, tell me about yourself. I want to learn more about you. I want to learn more about your personality, your character. I want to learn more about you. Today, we're kind of changing the scene a little bit. These actually are seats from the original uh, Detroit uh, baseball team uh, stadium, the Detroit Tigers. The, the original seats from, the, there we go, there we go. Got some Detroit people, okay. And uh, this is uh, from the, the, the stadium that was on Trumbull. Uh, and uh, I think they were smaller in the 1920s when this was built. <laughs> Seems surprisingly small. But these are actually seats from that. So imagine a different scene today. Imagine you're hanging out with Jesus. You're playing with Jesus. You go to a baseball game with Jesus. You're eating nachos and a hot dog with Jesus. And imagine he's sitting next to you. And, and if he's sitting next to you, what is the expression on his face while you're enjoying, hanging out, doing life together, uh, connecting with Jesus? Does Jesus have a serious look on his face or is he smiling? Is it hard for you to imagine Jesus smiling, Jesus laughing, Jesus kind of enjoying the scene? Or does Jesus have a serious look on his face? For most of us, the picture, our picture of Jesus is a serious Jesus. I mean, here we have the king of all kings, the Lord of creation. He's got a lot on his mind. I mean, and it's, very, it's understandable that he's going to be pretty serious. And, and he's, you know, what he accomplished here on, on, on this planet is just absolutely amazing. And there are plenty of reasons for him to be serious and plenty of stories where he's, uh, where he's serious. But is it possible for him to also be playful? Could you see that? Could you imagine that? Or when you read the Bible, my Bible has the words of Jesus in red letters, and many Bibles do. When you read the red letters in your Bible, what's the tone that you attach to those letters? Is it, okay, Jesus is talking, boom, I, I give great importance to this, they must be serious. Or is it possible to read the letters of Jesus and have a playful tone to it? It's tricky because, because all we have are the words on the page. And often it's hard to communicate tone through words on the page. How many of you have sent a text or an email and you got in trouble because the receiver didn't receive it with the intended playful tone that you sent it? How many of you done that? Okay, good. That's, that's why God created the little uh, smiley face on... Uh, <laughs> emails to help kind of say just kidding or whatever that is. But there's only so many smiley faces you can do, especially as a guy. There's a limit to the number of smiley faces a guy is allowed to, to, to give. I'm just saying, just, that's my perspective. Guys, are you with me? Are you with me? Okay, God bless you. Okay, so there's only so many. And sarcasm loses a little bit of its edge when you put the smiley face on it. And so it's hard, it's tricky sometimes to communicate what we want to communicate through words on a page. And so uh, when we read the words of Jesus, there's, there's some interpretation to, to, be, to happen there in terms of the tone of how we're engaging with what he's saying. Is it possible that Jesus was playful, was fun, was smiling at times? I think it's absolutely possible. That's actually the point of this morning. I think that, that kids love Jesus. Kids wanted to crawl into his lap, and, and the disciples said, no, 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 Jesus, this isn't the time for kids. This isn't for kids. And Jesus says, let the children come to me. Let them come to me. Children would not come to a 30-year-old man who didn't smile. So they wouldn't. They would just, children, don't interact with that. My kid, one of my kids, unfortunately, when he was in kindergarten, he had a teacher who didn't smile. 
a kindergarten teacher who didn't smile, which I, I don't know how that can happen. How does this person get hired? Yeah, I love to work with kids. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know how this works. This, this was this person's last year at the school. This person was fired after this year because there's a rule when you're a kindergarten teacher, you got to smile because then kids will like you, then kids might even like school. It's a very important thing. So is it possible that Jesus is playful, that he smiles? As we uh, lean into discovering the character and the personality of Jesus, where does playfulness fit in all that? You may see in the title of the message for today that Jesus is powerful yet playful. That's kind of the discovering of his character that we're looking at. Well, of course he's powerful. It's pretty hard to argue against that. There's pretty much no question that he was powerful. He even set aside the miraculous and the supernatural. He drew uh, uh, enormous crowds. He had tremendous authority when he spoke. And really, for the, most of all, he was so threatening and so offensive that they killed him. And so he came with great, 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 great power. But as we discover more about who he is, where do you land in terms of the playful piece? I want to take a look at a story that's found in Luke chapter 24. If you brought your Bibles, uh, that's where we're going to spend um, uh, some time this morning. Luke chapter 24. This story takes place... Um, after the death and the resurrection of Jesus. So it's later on in his story. We're not going chronological. We're kind of jumping the story of Jesus. After he died and rose from the grave, he has an interaction with two on the road to, Demaeus, road to Emmaus. And um, these, we don't know much about these two who are on the road to Emmaus. We know uh, the name of one of them. Uh, but what we do know is that they knew Jesus they were very much connected with Jesus. They were very distraught, very shocked that Jesus had died on the cross. This is not what they had expected. They believed Jesus was the Messiah, and the, the way the story was turning out, it was not what they had expected. So we're in Luke chapter 24, uh, beginning in verse 14. They, the two, were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they walked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you two discussing uh, together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem, and do you not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. Now, we can absolutely read the red letters, the, the questions of Jesus. We can read those with all seriousness. No problem. Just Jesus says, what are you discussing together as you walk along? What things, he asked. But keep in mind, they don't recognize this is Jesus, the one that they're distraught about. They don't recognize this is Jesus. And Jesus fakes ignorance. He fakes not knowing what they're talking about. How, how, for me, that sounds like a playful act that Jesus is having here. So, um, what's going on? And they don't recognize him. And he's saying, what, uh, you know, tell, me, tell me what happened. What, uh, sounds pretty interesting. You know, I mean, he's playful here. I believe, as I read this, that he is playful here in this story. And then they continue. 
what things? And they say, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed. Powerful. Jesus was powerful. Before God and all the people, the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. They crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. Jesus is faking ignorance and inviting them to tell the whole story, to go through the whole story. We get to read this and decide, was he being serious or was he being playful? There's a, a new book that came out last year called The Beautiful Outlaw, and it's subtitled, Experiencing the Playful, Disruptive, Extravagant Personality of Jesus. And uh, the, uh, the author is actually talking about this story and says this, Remember now, what is Jesus' overall mood this particular Sunday morning? Just a few hours ago, he walked out of the grave with the keys to hell swinging on his belt and the redemption of mankind in his pocket. Would it be safe to say he is cheerful, maybe even excited, jubilant? Christ is about as happy as anyone has ever been in the history of the world, but so far he has appeared only to Mary Magdalene. Isn't the moment crying out for him to reveal himself to these shell-shocked followers? Look, it's me. I'm alive. Everything is going to be okay. Rejoice. Tell the world. It's reasonable to assume Jesus in this moment is pretty excited. Maybe even, as, as, as the writer says here, maybe more excited than anyone else in the history of the world. But he doesn't say, it's me. And he doesn't say, with deep seriousness, he doesn't say, it is I whom you crieth about it. <laughs> he doesn't say that. Look what he does. Look what he does. This is so revealing. Jump to verse 28. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So we went in to stay with them. It says, Jesus acted as if he were going further. How could that not be playful? Jesus is going, well, it's nice to hear your story. I'm heading over here, going this way. Sorry to hear about your Messiah. Hope everything works out for you. I'm leaving now. You know, I mean, he's, he acts, he pretends that he's drifting away, that he's going to, how could that, how could he have done that seriously? I think he was playing. I think this reveals some of the playfulness of the personality of Jesus. I also think you can learn a lot about someone by what that person creates. You can learn a lot about someone by what that person creates. So take Steve Jobs, for instance. This is a guy who was tremendously artistic and simple. And you can tell, I mean, with his clothes, and, and he was just kind of a simple guy who was tremendously artistic. He, of course, was the uh, 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 CEO of Apple and the, kind of the design engine around Apple products. And all Apple products are as attractive as they are functional, perhaps even more attractive than they are functional. 
that, that even the packaging of Apple products is, is just so beautiful and, and it's a spiritual experience for some people to open it up. Oh, they open up the thing. And Steve Jobs, he's the guy who is so tremendously artistic, he brought art into the computer world. That, um, that fonts were always very just kind of clear and crisp and they were equally spaced so that an I took up as much space as an M. And so Steve Jobs is the one who said, why does it have to look so clunky? Why can't we bring some art to it and let it let and figure out a program so that the letters can flow together? And he created fonts and new ways of, of communicating beautifully through this new medium of computers. You can learn a lot about someone by what they've created. Look at Quentin Tarantino. I wouldn't like to be alone with that guy. <laughs> he would freak me out a little bit. Look at Lady Gaga. She'll wear pretty much anything in order to get attention. I would not like to be with her when she's wearing that one particular outfit and there are hungry animals around. <laughs> you can tell a lot about a person by what they create. So look at what Jesus created. Jesus is part of the Trinity. So he created everything. Look at what Jesus created. I'm not talking about war and violence and family guy. Jesus did not create those things. But look at what he did create. Look at the Grand Canyon. Look at thunder and lightning and galaxies. Jesus is powerful. But then look at monkeys. I mean, when's the last time you went to the zoo and just enjoyed the actions of the monkeys? And they do their stuff out in the wilderness with no one even watching. They just do it because God created them to be playful. And they just swing around and swing around. And they're not even functional so much in what they're doing. Swinging around and grabbing mom and, and swinging around mom and doing it again, doing the whole thing and picking each other's little uh, uh, bugs out of each other's fur. And, and how cute is that? Look at dolphins, wild dolphins that will, that will splash around on the wake of a boat and just kind of play there and just splash around on this water that's stirring. Why? Because they're playing. They're playing. Look at any baby mammal, any mammal, even ferocious uh, um, polar bears, Arr, big monster polar bears. When they're cubs, they're cute. Have you seen Planet Earth? That, that documentary and the little uh, baby polar bears come out of the hole and they're tumbling down. They think, oh, they're so cute. They grow up to be monsters, but they're so cute when they're little. Every mammal, little cheetahs, little lions, everything, when they're small, they're cute. Your pets at home, your cats, Jim Carrey. There's so many things <laughs> that God created that are a reflection of the playfulness of the Trinity, the playfulness of Jesus. And again, I have a deep respect for the reality of your stories. And I know some of your stories and what's going on currently with what's happening here. But there are times where we have to remind ourselves, sometimes we just got to laugh. Sometimes we got to smile. Sometimes we got to play. That it's okay to play. Now, for some of you here in the room, that, that's a no-brainer. I mean, that is, that is absolutely, that is kind of the way you function. And you know that about yourself. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a big part of life for me, sometimes a dysfunctional part of life for me, is that I love to play. I'm the youngest in my family. I married a youngest in her family. We're two youngests. We play really well together. We often don't get things done, but we play a lot. I know that play is a big deal for me in terms of relationships. 
it, it was a big deal uh, in my marriage. And when I was dating and looking for someone to marry, uh, play and, jo- and enjoying one another and laughter, big deal. I believe that couples who play together stay together. It's a big deal in terms of relationships on staff and in the process of hiring one of the most complicated things about, about church and uh, leadership and about um, us um, doing what we can to pour into this community as, a, as the staff that you're entrusting is to build a team, is to set a team up together. And, that process, and in that process, one of the most key elements is can we enjoy being with one another? Every job description that we have that comes out of this place um, amongst all the educational stuff and all that, it has two words that are capitalized, only two words, passion and fun. Are you passionate about what you would like to be doing here with, with your life and you plan on having fun while you do it? Because a church that plays together stays together. And a church staff that plays together stays together. It's also a big deal in terms of other relationships with, with guys that I connect with and friends and hangout time. Humor and laughter is, is a big part of that. And, uh, you know, when you laugh with somebody in hysterics, you get to that place where the tears are coming down and you're, 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 trying, to, you're trying to have the thing stop because your jaw hurts and you're laughing in this incredible place. There's a bond that's happening there that can only happen through that process. And for me, that's a significant bond. And it's the kind of laughter that, that you have this, this experience and you try to transfer it over to somebody else. And if that experience was not with my wife, I almost always want to try to let her know what happened or maybe the tears are still rolling. And then he said that it fell over the edge. Ah! And we're laughing and she's going, well, that's really, that's really, sounds funny, honey. And, and then, you know, it's the same thing about, well, I guess you just had to be there. But when you're there, it's a significant moment. It's a significant connection. You had to be there. Well, I want to be there. Again, for some of you, this is a no-brainer. Yeah, I, I, you, you see that. You see that in your own life. You see that in your own relationships. But for some, some find it hard to just play. Some find it hard to remind their faces to smile. You might think of a particular teacher you were growing up or your current boss. If you're related to that person or sitting next to that person, please don't do any of this. It's not nice. But, but I mean, there are some people who find it hard to, to smile. And it may actually have, have come from an honest place. I mean, what would you say is the opposite of play? The opposite of play is work. I mean, that's kind of the natural opposite of play. And those who struggle with play would absolutely give that as an answer. Because work, that's what adults do. Play, that's what kids do. Work is productive. Work uh, 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 brings about things. It produces things. Play is just a waste of time. It's just kind of this thing that you do that gets in the way of being productive, of doing work things. Work is for the mature Play is for the less mature. I've read about some psychologist who would disagree with work being the opposite of play. That some would say that the opposite of play is depression. Because when, when we get depressed, what happens is we create a rut 
in our brain. And this rut gets deeper and deeper. And the rut says, this is who you are. And this is all you can be. And you will not get out of here. And this is the place you will stay for the rest of your life. And sometimes it requires chemicals to help us get out of that rut. And that's a whole field that, that some of you are more aware of uh, than I am. And the need sometimes to get some help to get out of that rut. But there is some natural help that God has given us through play. Play is something we don't, we don't need to be taught how to do it. It's, it is innate. It is natural. It is primal. Kids know how to play. They don't need to be taught how to do it. Often adults need to be reminded how to do it. But we know how to do it. It's in us. It's been given to us by God. This ability to be able to play. And play is this natural way to get out of the ruts that sometimes get created in our, um, in our, uh, in our brain. Also, uh, persons who struggle with play are often more prone to affairs and addictions because we have a natural desire for excitement. We have a natural desire for fun, okay, for, for, the, the, for the endorphins to be stimulated. And if we don't do that in a healthy way, we will find unhealthy ways to do it. If we think we're not allowed to play, so we don't let ourselves engage in a healthy way, then we will enter into unhealthy ways of experiencing this. See, we've been designed by a creator who is playful. And we've been designed to be playful, to experience fun, to smile. Sometimes we just gotta laugh. Sometimes we gotta play a little bit. Some people don't like dogs. Some people think that dogs are actually irresponsible to have. We pay for a dog. We bring the dog home to, our, to the place where we spend, you know, invest all this money. Bring the dog home. We feed the dog. We spend time with the dog. We pay for medical insurance for prescriptions, for grooming, for operations that need to be done, we put a thousand times more care into our dog than millions of people around the world get to experience. Millions of humans in other parts of the world get a fraction of the care that we give our dogs. And some would conclude, say, that's irresponsible. That's not right. But what if a dog gives you great pleasure. I mean, why do people have dogs? Because typically they give you great pleasure. Now, if you have a dog and you hate your dog, I'm really sorry. That's a whole other category. You need to deal with that in your own way. But for those who have a dog, pay for a dog, and enjoy their dog, could it be that that's okay? That that's enough of a value, that that's important enough to have that experience? I, we have a dog, we got a dog two years ago or whatever. We are surprised to find out we love our dog. We, we, we really enjoy our dog. I mean, I come home and, you know, my, my, my kids will give me a little bit of a wave. Hi, Dad. I mean, that's kind of what I get now. And the dog is just, <laughs> just so excited as if I had been lost at sea for three years. And here I am back and the dog is so excited to see me. that I love that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Love that. I sometimes run with my dog, and she's not a huge dog. So she's got she's little legs. It's about a thousand to one in terms of steps. Um, 
So, but she'll run with me, and she's, she's pretty great with all that. And during the run, there's, there are these uh, regular little tugs because she gets distracted by something or she wants to go in another direction or she wants to smell something, and I can't stop for all that. We're running. So just regular tugs all, you know, throughout the whole thing, little tug here, little tug there, little tug there. But every once in a while, there'll be the one big tug. Somebody knows what the big tug is. The big tug is means that uh, she wants to drop anchor right there, <laughs> right there in the middle of the run. And what's so funny about it is she just says, uh, she's running, running, I want to do it now. And so she goes down and she skids for about 10 feet. <laughs> and I'm, I'm dragging her because I don't notice right away that it's the big tug. I haven't made the shift from the small tug to the big tug. So she's just like water skiing down the road. <laughs> And then I finally stop, and she's not mad. She finishes her job. I laugh every time, and she's done. They don't like clean it up, but you know you have to. You have consequences to, to the joy, and and so I mean I I love I love kind of having this dog. And dogs, they uh, my dog when she's not sleeping, she wants to play. As soon as she's awake, boom, she wants to play. Is it enough? to say, this is a value because I get pleasure out of having this pet. Where's the value of play? There's a guy named Stuart Brown. He's He's an MD who specializes in neurochemistry. And he founded an organization called the National Institute for Play. You can look it up, it's real. The National Institute for Play. He did a study comparing the neurochemistry of wolves and dogs and uh, saying that there there are differences in the way the brain works between wolves and dogs. Both when they're young, when they're puppies and cubs, or what's a a baby wolf called? A cub? Okay. Uh, When they're cubs or or puppies... um, they're, they're both playful. They're naturally playful. But what happens with a wolf is as a wolf gets older, the wolf gets more serious. The wolf uh, uh, gets more aggressive about marking territory. The wolf is more inclined to kill. And the wolf is going to be about uh, um, reproducing. Dogs, however... Uh, oh, and, and wolves, as they move towards this, this work zone, play drifts further and further from their experience to where it's not a part of their experience anymore. A wolf is a pretty serious animal, an adult wolf. Dogs, however, grow up, and most of them believe that every day is a good day to play. And so Stuart Brown, in his research, he, he kind of leans towards this question of, um, do humans have neurochemistry more like wolves or dogs? What do you think? dogs. According to the National Institute for Play, humans have neurochemistry more like dogs. We're built like dogs, but we behave like wolves. We're built like dogs, but we behave like wolves, thinking that it's not okay for us to play as adults for no reason. And maybe we're missing out on something there. Now, I know there are times in life where it's hard to play. It's hard to have fun. It's hard to smile. Again, I respect that. I get that. Sometimes life is more like a comedy of errors. And you kind of, sometimes you just kind of have to laugh at how absurd the situation might be. 
But maybe in those most difficult places, maybe those are the places where we need play the most. You ever noticed how often at a funeral people will laugh? At a funeral, if somebody comes and tells a story, and in the midst of tears, in the midst of sorrow, in the midst of mourning, that people will laugh and enjoy a story, they want to laugh. You ever noticed how useful it is to laugh at a funeral? In the process of mourning, it's not disrespectful. It's, I, I, I think it's part of the healing process to enter into that in that way. What we're going to do today is uh, we're going to give you an opportunity to respond, but it's going to be a little bit different. If you've been with us for a while, we, uh, we close out our celebrations with, with different ways to respond. We're going to do a little bit different today. Um, we're actually going to play a game. We're going to have a little bit of fun, okay? So what I, want, what I invite you to do is pull out the glow stick you received on the way in. Uh, if you already snapped it, don't snap it, don't snap it. If you already snapped it, you lose. Okay. Uh, if you already snapped it, it's okay, it's okay. You can, still, you can still play the game. But if you haven't snapped it, I want you to just kind of take a moment and just, and just think, here's kind of the reflective piece to say, God, I invite you to bring humor into this area of my life. Maybe it, maybe it has to do with your marriage, and it's all work right now. It's all serious right now. And maybe you just need to play together for an afternoon. Maybe it has to do with your kids or at work or your own insecurity, and you're saying, God, help me to see this differently. God, will you crack me up about this area of my life? Will you help me to see humor in this? Will you help me to look at this differently. Maybe there's an area of your life that is, that is dark. It needs some light in it. It, it. it is dark and it's heavy and you want relief in some area of your life. You say, God, help me to see that you are, your personality is playful. Would you bring that into some part of my life? That's the reflection part. And then we're going to play a little game. And the game is going to be uh, this side of the room versus this side of the room. Okay? Yes, somebody said over here. Glad you sat over there. Now, this group, just for simplicity, you're called the rights, and you are called the lefts. Now, this isn't a political thing. Please get over that. Okay? So this is, you're just the rights and the lefts, and what I'm going to ask you to do in just a moment is stand up, and from your section here, there are three places where you can throw this. There's a line up at the front in this aisle and in that aisle. There's a marker for tape. You have to be behind that tape line and you need to throw it and try to get it in this basket here, okay? Now, whoever, whichever team gets the most in the basket wins. If you individually put it in the basket, there is a prize for you, okay? Uh, And over here, same thing. Come up to one of these tape lines and throw it in. We'll see how many of you get it in there. Now, typically, for our response time, some of you are warming up. I know. <laughs> For our response time, typically we say, please don't, please don't leave. Uh, uh, please just kind of stay and participate in this. But we ask you not to get your kids early because the, the volunteers in children's ministry, they have a, a plan that they're doing. Now, uh, still, please don't get your kids until, until we're all done so that the teachers can continue to love on your kids. But feel free to leave if you want. I mean, you can, if you don't want to do the little game, feel free to leave, uh, but you'll miss out and you're a killjoy. Uh, <laughs> and you have no fun. So uh, that's what we're going to do. Okay, let's go ahead and get, get set up and let's see which team wins.